Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of the Surviving Second Gen Podcast. I'm your host, um, and I'm trying to get myself together in this new setup again. But I think that's kind of how the podcast is going to be like, like just kind of a new setup maybe every time because I'm, you know, I like that. I like the vibe. But um, yeah, so let's get right into today's episode. So I promised y'all that I'll have a topic for you this week. And this week's topic is something that I've been asked about before a couple of times in a couple of different ways. Um, So I just wanted to answer it in this episode and really um, help people, uh, I guess, really have this conversation that um, for some people is difficult, um, especially being in an immigrant background. The question at hand is, what do you do when you are a child of immigrants and you have an immigrant parent or an immigrant family member who you believe has a mental health disorder? Um, And we're talking about mental health disorders. We're talking about a broad range of things. So, you know, something like depression, which is considered less of... um, an acute disorder. It's still a mental health disorder. It's still something um, that you know you have to get diagnosed by a mental health professional, um, or if somebody has anxiety, also something that's less acute. But there's also other mental health disorders that people um, deal with, or that you may feel like a family member is dealing with, like. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about narcissistic personality disorder. Well, people more so say narcissist versus narcissistic personality disorder, which is the actual um, diagnosis that one receives if they are considered a quote unquote narcissist, which I can go on a whole nother tangent about that, how we use that term so lightly. And I think that in the age of the internet, the age of social media, one person talks about it and it becomes uh, something that's picked up and everybody's talking about it and it becomes something that everybody talks about and uses that terminology. When again, that is a, a personality disorder. In general, personality disorders are not diagnosed often. And then when you talk about narcissistic personality disorder, that's only about 1% of the population. 
while those numbers might be, I know they are off um, based on lack of reporting, based on the lack of people who actually go to see someone to get the diagnosis, the numbers are off. Overall though, every person, every body that you know or other, every other person that you run into or have relationship with is not a narcissist. I'm just saying, okay? People can have narcissistic traits, which I think that's something that can be a conversation because I think all of us have traits in us that show up in certain personality disorders. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have a full-blown diagnosis because there are certain criterias that you have to have to have a full-blown diagnosis of a disorder. Just saying, as a mental health professional, I just got to put that out there because this is not an episode to say, oh, I know that so-and-so is a narcissist. No, I'm just saying, you know, you may have an inclination that somebody, somebody is dealing with something and you just don't know how to help them. But we can't say that we know that this is their diagnosis. Even myself as a mental health professional, I may see things in family members, but I can't diagnose them. I can only diagnose people that I am working with in a counseling environment and relationship. Not just somebody I see off the street or somebody I see on the internet. I can't, I can't do that. That's just unethical. So, um, yeah, when we think about the spectrum, I guess you could say, of mental health disorders, there's a lot that people can fall into. And I think that if, you know, especially like I was saying in this day and age, um, a lot of people have more access to what mental health disorders look like, which I think, you know, uh, part of it is bad just because of what I was just using as an example, misusing terms, but it's also good because there is awareness. So I think that for sure as second generation immigrants, uh, we have more awareness about these things when overall talking about mental health is so taboo and hush hush in the immigrant community. Um, but the thing is, it's not that mental health disorders do not exist. I think that's also a misconception or a myth is that, oh, people from um, immigrant countries, they don't deal with mental health issues. Only people in the States deal with that stuff. No, <laughs> um, they deal with it. Um, or I wouldn't even say they deal with it. They experience it. But the terminology around it is not the same. The education around it is not the same. And the resources around it is not the same. As far as the statistics and numbers, that's a whole other conversation. The United States in general has a higher rate of like all types of um, not just mental health disorders, but also um, uh, neurological or cognitive type of disorders like autism, um, and other um, disorders that are on the spectrum. Other countries don't have the same uh, numbers uh, as high of, of rates as we do in the States. So that's a whole nother conversation, right? So overall, the United States has more mental health issues among its population. 
However, um, other countries still deal with mental health disorders. Um, so I think that we need to acknowledge that they exist in other countries. That's like the first thing, like they do exist. Um, however, um, I don't think that the emphasis put on uh, dealing or managing or working through these mental health issues is as high as it is for um, the US. And there may be different reasons for that. I mean, one simply can be because of the numbers, because they don't see enough people dealing with certain mental health issues. They don't feel the need to put as much resources into that. Like if you have more people dealing with other health issues, physical ailments, then it makes sense that you want to put more resources into that versus a mental health issue, which for a lot of people, if you can't see it, it's not as real. So I, I can understand or I can get the perspective as to why there is not as much uh, resources put into that. Um, and then, you know, I think the second thing is more of a cultural thing of, you know, what does it mean to have a mental health disorder? Um, I think in the, in the States and in, um, Europe, uh, cause a lot of, uh, psychologists and researchers, um, who are in the mental health field, are based in European countries and the States. Um, so they have a, a, a wide span of knowledge, uh, you know, about how mental health disorders work. Um, and there's more of a, I feel like a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they understand the biology beyond, behind it and um, understand how the brain works and how that affects how mental health issues show up versus in, I think, some immigrant countries, it's less of a brain thing, but they can attribute it to other things. Um, sometimes it's religious practices. So somebody, somebody has a mental health disorder because they had they went through some type of um uh uh religious or uh witchcraft or something happened to them that made the mental disorder like come on to them so it was some kind of ritual or something that made that happen you know that happens in different countries um you know, also there's just a cultural um, idea. I think sometimes with um, certain uh, um, of how mental health issues show up that make it seem like it is a temporary thing. So there's not a biology behind it. Basically, it can just go away and it's not something that you're born with. Like maybe it's just like a stress-induced thing. So that's something that um, I feel like I've seen come up in immigrant communities where it's like if there's a certain um, issue that happens with somebody li in somebody's life, um, this mental health issue, 
is brought on by that stressful situation, which, um, yes, there are mental health disorders that, um, I guess you could say lie dormant, in, for lack of better words, that are brought on by stress that come out um, because of a stressful situation, but it doesn't mean that it was never there to begin with, if that makes sense. So it's, it's basically triggered by a stressful event. Um, but it's still something that was already there. So something that was um, basically brewing. Um, but I think that, again, culturally, sometimes the idea is this is just a thing that's happening right now. And if we do something about it right now, then it'll just go away. Um, and, you know, we won't ever have to deal with it again. Um, and that goes for not just mental health disorders, but like I said, like cognitive issues, um, speech issues, you know, um, yeah, just the a gamut of cognitive slash mental health things that are not physical ailments. So I think all of that makes it hard, again, to be able to see that um, someone is dealing with something, a mental health issue, and there is no, uh, there doesn't seem to be a way to address it outside of the cultural norms that people know of. So what do you do when you have a person who you are close to, a parent, a family member, a sibling that you feel like is going through a mental health issue and you want to help them. I think first, um, as a mental health provider, I would say that safety comes first, right? And that's always the case for me personally when I'm working with clients or, you know, if I'm working with, you know, people, you know, uh, in, in my everyday life. Safety comes first. So if I ever see someone doing something or singing something that I believe that they are putting themselves in danger or somebody else in danger, then I'm going to get the appropriate individuals involved to make sure that situation is taken care of, right? So I'm going to contact 911. I'm gonna get this person to the local hospital. You know, I'm gonna get the national crisis line um, um, person on the phone with uh, someone from the national crisis line. Like, I'm going to take those steps because for me, there's no like, well, I'm not sure, like, the, the, the word, the, the expression better safe than sorry always works in mental health situations like it's better for you to call someone get someone involved and like you know the situation wasn't as bad than for it to be that bad and there was no intervention like that that makes me sad to to see you know someone that could potentially be helped but you know there's influences that make it seem like oh it's not that bad so we're not going to get anybody involved um, yeah, if again, that person is uh, looking like they may harm themselves based on their actions or their words, get the appropriate people involved. Um, you know, do what you need to do to make sure that's taken care of. And that person may be mad for at you afterwards, but for me, 
it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it does not matter because we deal with too many people fighting uh, mental health illnesses on their own um, secretly in this world for us to just um, ignore signs and ignore you know feelings that something is off you know you don't have to have a direct like proof that's you know because it's really hard to prove for per se that somebody is going to harm themselves you know but you can have a sense that something is off or they just may tell you themselves like i feel like harming myself then yeah you take action and you you know get them to the local hospital so for me yeah that's like the first okay safety you know is what i'm looking for now um if it's not an immediate safety issue but you just feel like this person um is dealing with something uh let's say depression that is affecting how they show up in their day-to-day -day life so you know they may change how they uh, talk to you or how they show up for you and you can see that they're changing how they show up for other people as well um i think it's good to come from a space of um being um open to conversation versus being accusatory or um uh telling them what it is that you know about them right if that makes sense like going to someone and saying hey i think you have depression and you need to go talk to a therapist may not turn out so well you know because it's very um <clears throat> direct in a way that you don't know if they're even open to receiving that kind of um advice from you you know who says they wanted you to acknowledge that <laughs> they're depressed and you know they need a therapist you know i think that's a two-part conversation right because again the stigma around having a mental health issue in general and then there's an extra stigma of getting help for it like people in our community don't go to see therapists and i think that social media again is a uh, uh almost a vacuum that makes us feel like everybody's going to therapy everybody's working on themselves no <laughs> no i think a lot of people are talking about it more so we're hearing about it more but there's still a huge population of black and brown people who are not going to therapy so um yeah based on that i think it needs to be more of a two-part conversation first part of saying hey i've noticed and you can point out the things that you've noticed about their behavior that's changed or the way that they speak that change right so i've noticed you don't come out with us as more like every time we invite you somewhere you always say that you'd rather just stay home you know what what's up with that or if you notice that the person doesn't engage in conversation as much like they kind of brush you off like every time i tried to talk to you you don't seem like you're you want to talk i i want to know what's going on um and you know again you you want to be 
gentle about it because again this is not like a safety issue of course when it's a safety issue that's like what comes first but if this is someone who again you know has that barrier be gentle about it let them know that you care you've seen these things and you just want to know what's wrong so forget about labeling them as depressed labeling them as anxious like just say this is what i see tell me more I want to know what's going on because I care about you, right? Um, and then I think that that allows, that will hopefully allow them, if you have a good relationship, for them to say, you know, what it is that they have going on. Like, hey, it's a job thing that's got me down or, you know, it's a relationship issue that I'm trying to work through. Um, and you know, if you feel like, again, you have that rapport, then it may be then a situation where you can talk more about it, give them the advice that they may need. Um, but I think the second part of like them getting help outside of you, um, that's usually a thing that happens. Like going to therapy usually is helpful if this person does not know how to process their emotions um if you personally feel like this person's issues are making it hard for you all to have a relationship because um this person's issues shows up more than anything else then it may mean that it's time for this person to go to therapy um because honestly I don't want to say not everybody needs therapy, but not everybody is ready for therapy. I'll say that, right? Um, because they may, may be dealing with an issue and they could definitely need the help of a mental health counselor, um, a licensed uh, social worker, but um, they are not in the space to um, be vulnerable, to process their emotions, and they will not be able to honestly just open up in a therapeutic setting, which will not be helpful for them or the therapist, you know, if they're just not there yet. Um, so I think that's a process. So in the meantime, right, if you are able to provide support um, just by helping them talk through some of the things that they may have been bottling up, that may be enough for them in the moment to get their point across um, and then get to a place where they realize, oh, you know, talking to someone does help. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, talking to a professional is something that I need. Or, you know, even if they don't get that to that on their own, hopefully through the conversations that you have, you can talk about, you know, what you know works. Because maybe you personally have been to therapy or you know people who have been to therapy. And that is, again, the second part of the conversation of saying, hey, you know, um, based on what you're telling me, you may need a space where you need to process this stuff with someone who's a professional. And I think that's also something that is important to say when you're having the conversation about going to therapy. Because what I can say is that, um, individuals from immigrant populations, they respect authority. That is important to them. Um, so when you phrase it as this is a professional individual who 
um, focuses on your specific issue, um, I think it does help them feel like they are in a space that um, there is someone who, you know, knows what they're doing that can help them. So framing it in that way of saying, hey, you know, if you go to this professional person who focuses on depression, again, you don't, you don't have to say depression, but, you know, who focuses on the issue that you were just talking to me about, I think that that would be really helpful for you. Um, and I know when I'm saying this, I'm thinking about a range of um, uh, people in the immigrant community because I feel like uh, individuals who are, you know, millennials like myself and younger, it may be an easier conversation, right? Because again, we're exposed to, you know, mental health providers and the whole conversation about mental health. But when we're talking about like um, the generation above us who may have never been to a mental health counselor, um, or even just talked about having a mental health issue, I know that that may be an extra layer of difficulty. Um, and I'm also thinking about if their mental health issue affects your relationship in a negative and or toxic way, then I can understand how um, that changes how the conversation happens, right? So it may n no longer be a conversation of like, hey, I see you struggling with this thing and I recommend this professional. Um, it may be more of a conversation that is letting them know that I do not feel comfortable in this relationship with you because you are showing up in this way. Therefore, I believe you need to go to a mental health professional. Those conversations are tough. Um, and I know that there are individuals in the immigrant population who have had to deal with that, um, you know, deal with parents um, who have narcissistic traits um, and who do things that affect their personal mental health where they feel like they need to cut their parents off or remove themselves. And I don't wanna make light of that because um, that is a difficult situation, you know? Um, and I don't believe that anyone should have to constantly put themselves in the midst of someone who uh, makes them feel less than, who is berating them, who is manipulating them. Um, so I think that that is a um, conversation through probably doing your own therapy to figure out how to navigate that relationship and um, address what you believe may be their own mental health issues. So I would say, you know, with a situation like that, the first step is to get your own therapist. Like you need to talk to someone who is a professional, um, such as myself, <laughs> you know, who ideally works with someone who works with people from immigrant backgrounds, such as myself, 
um, or just understands the the immigrant culture to be able to have these conversations with you about you know how you feel like your mental health is being affected um, and can potentially potentially help you have the conversation with this person who is you know harming you emotionally um, and you may find that you can get a counselor who can help mediate um, so there are mental health professionals who do family counseling um, and that may be very helpful um, because that may um, you know ease the the uh, the concern that the older um, uh, person, and the, so basically the parent, um, that may ease their hesitation of going to therapy if they're able to do it with you and you're able to have a conversation that is mediated so it doesn't feel as intense um, and you know, hopefully you can work through the conflict with a professional and it's not, you know, uh, basically a fighting match with no resolution. So I think that that may also be helpful if you are dealing with somebody's mental, if somebody's mental health issue is affecting you all's relationship, especially if it's a parent-child relationship, to get a family therapist. Um, so that would be a more often than not um, a marriage and family therapist they do family therapy so they can help you um, in, in that setting to do some type of um, family therapy. So I would say, you know, that's another step that you can take. But yeah, as I was saying, I think that, um, you know, you, you want to just make sure that you are just um, direct but also empathetic, direct in terms of you are able to call out the behavior or statements that they make that you see to be able to say, hey, these are the examples of things that I'm noticing. Because a lot of times, again, people can be dismissive and not want to address their mental health issues if you're just like, hey, I think you're depressed. But if you can say, hey, I'm seeing this, this, and this, and it's unusual, so can, you, can we talk about it? I think that's more helpful and concrete um, versus labels. Um, and then, like I said, for you know, a part two of that is really talking about how this may be affecting them so much you know again if they're like missing work or they can't show up socially you know that means that they need a professional intervention and that may be what they need to resolve the situation so i hope that makes sense i hope that's helpful um again i think the idea is to um make sure that you can have a conversation with someone that you um, are helping them um, see things outside of the scope that they usually see it um, versus just making them feel bad because they probably already are feeling bad. You know, they just don't know how to work through it. So 
that is um, all I have for today's episode. Hopefully that was helpful for someone, anyone who's dealing with this situation currently. Thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode. And if nothing else, I will see you all at the next one. Bye. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.